Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. We are here today with our friend and colleague and um, and fellow traveler, Julie Skolnick, who uh, is, is the queen of all things 2E, right? Twice exceptional. She is she is the go to on the, the, the royal wave. Right. And we really encourage you to read about her and her books. And, and we've got an upcoming book we'll tell you about um, in the show notes. And um, But just know whether you're dealing with kids who are 2E, adults who are 2E, or you don't even know what 2E means, you're in the right place. Well, so Julie, maybe that's the place to start is how did you start doing what you're doing? Yeah. What a, what a fun question, Diane. And thank you for having me on this fabulous podcast that's so impactful and important. So let's see, rewind 23 years ago when I became a mama. Yeah. And uh, and then I had three children all together and all three in very different ways are twice exceptional. Yeah. And uh, when our middle guy was identified, our first child to be assessed at age five and he was identified as gifted and ADHD. And I was eight months pregnant with number three and had no clue what ADHD was. Oh boy, I went down a path of pretty glass half empty information. Wow. And uh, when I landed in um, gifted land and learned what gifted actually was way more than just being smart, I then learned to positively reframe and come at this amazing profile with a strengths-based approach as opposed to a deficit approach. And that was a game changer, life changer. Yeah, and it's hard, right? Because these kids, they don't, I mean, they're smart and they're, I mean, they're gifted and they don't quite fit in their court. I mean, there's, there's all these different pieces and it's really hard as a parent because a lot of times the schools don't even know what to do with these kids. I mean, that's part of my story, but so what do you notice the most, Julie, about what parents tend to struggle with when they're presented with this kid who's got both pieces going on at once? Well, so first of all, I'm so excited that you corrected yourself and you first said smart and then you corrected yourself and said gifted because gifted is way more than smart. Um, You know, I describe gifted as the three layer cake of giftedness and the frosting, like imagine a cake in your mind, any flavor you want. Mine happens to be chocolate with chocolate frosting, but you can be whatever you want. That frosting piece, which is very thin, you know, is above, around and between all the layers 
that is what people assume gifted is, the smart, bright potential piece. And then you have these three layers of asynchronous development, perfectionism, the other side of which can be anxiety. And then what's known in gifted parlance as overexcitabilities, or you can think of as intensity. You know, you you take in so much, you put out so much, there's all this intensity around everything. So as I just took us on a little tangent, Diane, I think your question was, why is it hard and what do parents, how do they, how do they deal with this um, uneven profile? And before we go there, I want to talk a little bit more because you just like painted this layer cake. I I need to dig in a little bit on the layer cake. I need need a piece of I think we know, right? Most of us know what we mean by we got a kid with maybe not excessive, that's the wrong word, but but a very high intelligence, right? Smart kids in some area. And then you're talking about asynchronous development and overexcitability. And perfectionism. Yeah. And perfectionism. So that's four layers, right? Well, no, no, no. It's three, it's three layers because anxiety is the other side of perfectionism. So Got it. if you're talking about asynchronous development, I want you to think about a three ring Venn diagram. I love me a good Venn diagram. So three ring Venn diagram. Think of it as uh, intellectual, social, emotional, and physical. Those are the yeah. three rings. Okay, so I just drew you. If you if you have a piece of paper and a penny, draw draw a three ring Venn diagram. You just draw, drew a human, because right. those are our three areas, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's intelligence. It's or I I don't really like to say academics, but let's just say intelligence yep. and social emotional abilities and physical abilities, and all during the day. Those, we're using those three parts constantly during All the day. All the time. And you yes. have, and if you think of a bell curve, right? So yes, giftedness is identified in this country by and large by an IQ test, by and large. Okay, not everybody does it that way, but most and schools certainly do. So if you think about, you have this bell curve and you're like way over on the right side, intelligence wise, where intelligence gets stronger, Mm -hmm. you're two or three standard deviations away from norm, which is in the middle of the bell curve, right? So there's this asynchrony in those three areas all during the day. And to answer Diane's original question, the reason why this is hard and how to handle this and how do we approach many parents think and many teachers think, why can you do this so well, but you can't do that. What right. we like to say in the world of two E-ness is easy things are hard and hard things are easy. Give this kid a code, give this kid, some kids reading, some kids writing, some kids music, some kids math, some uh, wherever your superpower is that you're several standard deviations ahead on the curve brush teeth, get out the door, hand in homework, right? Like, you're like, really? You can do all this stuff, but that stuff is hard? Clean your room? How can you not understand, right? So that's- And and there's that excitability piece, right? So the highs are higher and the lows are lower. And I I used to describe it it as like the rest of the world is in the middle of the bowl and and my family is all on the rim. (laughs) You needed a good (laughs) spatula. Wow, I like this thing. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, and you were talking about the, let's talk about asynchrony. Is is that the way to say it? Asynchronous development or asynchronous development. Because like, so this is my kiddo, my two-e kid, ready for the gifted program in elementary school. And the teacher said, let's get them their social behavioral stuff under control. And then we'll put them in the gifted program. Worst possible sentence ever said. And it's said all the time. Said all the time. Because because guess what? Let's flip it. Let's flip it and see what happens. Okay. All you listeners out there, 
flip that sentence. Let's give them really cool things that they'll love to do that will really set their mind on fire and give them a burning in the belly, right? Guess what? The behavior is going to go away. Yeah. But let's just give them a bunch of boring stuff and focus on their deficit. That'll make them behave better. No, (laughs) no. These are bored kids, right? By nature. Isn't that one of the hallmarks is that they, they get bored pretty easily because their brain's going so quickly. What we say is they are often given information drip by drip when they can actually feed from a fire hose. Right. And yet at the same time, sometimes if we accelerate them in areas, we we assume if they're really, really bright kids, they're going to be able to accelerate in all areas. And sometimes they may actually, it may not all be an area of strength. So I just really want to backtrack a little bit about the, they're so bright. So we've got to remember that gifted is so much more than quote, just smart. It is so different than high achieving. It is not the sit face forward, raise your hand, turn your homework in executive functioning land. You know, that's not it. We have to think about empathy. There's extraordinarily deep empathy and existential considerations and all of this. Okay. Using Elaine's bowl analogy, right? Put this all in the bowl. And this is why they're like clinging to the sides because there's so much they're thinking about that yeah. they're not ready to jump into the middle, into the pool with everybody else. They, they have a completely different perspective on the side of the bowl. And that's, right. that's the truth. And that's what's so important. They may be able to, and, and by the way, If they're able to, let's just say, read at a much higher level. I mean, I have clients who have 18-month-old kids who are reading or sometimes even younger. I know it's really hard to believe. That sets them up for a real challenge content-wise because they may not be ready socially, emotionally to handle what they can actually mechanically read. Yeah, right. Right. And so there's, there's a lot here that's about meeting them where they are. And understanding how to set them up for success, meeting where they are developmentally, managing the the asynchrony without overcalibrating. So either expectations are too high or expectations are too low. So we need to look at the kid in front of us and please stop making assumptions and comparing them to everybody else and your cousin's brother's sister who was also quote gifted, right? They don't present the same. What we say is once you've met one two-week kid, you've met one two-week kid because they're all extraordinarily different. Yeah. Well, and what you're describing, Julia, and we we weren't talking too much about school, but the school's ability to number one, understand what's going on with these kids and number two, be able to cater such the wrong word, but it's like this sort of calibrate to adjust, to be able to support these kids. It's got to be really, really difficult because like you said, if I'm ready to read at 10th grade level and I'm only in elementary school, the content is not going to be stuff that's going to be engaged. Not only, not only that, but the typical mistakes made, I'm sure with best intent is we'll give more work. We'll give We'll get, we'll ask the gifted kid in quotes to teach the other kids. They'll love that. No, that's not what they love. And by the (laughs) way, maybe, but not most of them honors AP. These are not gifted. A truly gifted classroom are children who are project-based learning, kinesthetic learning up and moving around, challenging the teacher, pushing back and the teacher loves it. Right. That's a gifted classroom. That's not an AP class, right? This sort of, so AP, this is the challenge is that word gifted and 
high achieving that just become collapsed on top of each other to mean the same thing. And they're just not. Oh, so not. So not. I have a slide in one of my, um, in one of my presentations has these two kids sitting really beautifully with their hand up in the air. And then down comes this big red circle with a lash through. And it's like, nope, that is not gifted. (laughs) Well, and it has to do, I mean, what's jumping at me with what you're saying is that you know, we just we make a distinction in our work a lot about the difference between intelligence and executive function, mm-hmm. right? Sure. We tend to Back conflate the two, but they are completely different. And we can have kids with with very high intelligence, but that doesn't mean that they've got the executive function to kind of organize their way out of a paper bag. I, I would go further, Elaine, and I would work. say actually the the more data you crunch the less organized it is. Right. Which actually makes sense, right? <laughs> it's so yeah. true. Right. And so we decide that high achieving means a kid who can organize and get their work done and turn it in. And that, we, that's probably high achieving. They probably right. do highly achieve because they're they're meeting the expectations of the classroom. But boy, is it fun, exciting, interesting? Maybe well, the feedback is, but I'm not sure they're learning a whole lot. Well, and and I don't know if you, like I remember those kids where you knew like, this kid's get, is doing great in school, but she's just not that bright. <laughs> and it, it wasn't it wasn't an intelligence that was having her be successful. It was her executive function. I mean, I'm thinking one kid in particular who I still remember 50 years later. Right. So there we've got to do the rules. She could follow the rules and think about it. It's black and white is so much easier. I mean, it's the biggest irony. Right. So often we want our kids to be to stop being so black and white, but then we have black and white expectations for them. So it's a little. Well, and what you're describing is that our language for what's going on with our kids is not caught up with what's really going on with our kids. I mean, it's just sort of this, the system doesn't label them in a way that makes sense. This idea of giftedness is really much broader than what the, the stereotypical gifted means. And it, takes me back to we got to meet our kids where they are and really look at who they are as a whole human and whether it's high intellect or high emotional intelligence or high physical you know aptitude or whatever it is to be able to figure out how do I help this kid achieve whatever achievement means for them and whatever is possible for them and I guess I mean I love that and you got my my little brain thinking and yeah. I'm I'm thinking about how it's really gifted is a um, approach to the world that is neurologically rare compared to the norm in that you're wired differently. You notice things differently. I have a client whose kids said to mom from the backseat of the car at age three, mom, do we want to live or do we have to live? Wow. I mean, what a nothing cool, existential about that, right? What a cool question, right? I'll tell you what, that is a kid who's emotionally overexcitable in the best ways, but who opens themselves up. If you're three and that's what you're thinking about, and like, you know, everybody in the classroom is talking about potty things, <laughs> right? It's kind of, it makes you wonder what's wrong with me. It makes it hard to find somebody who's like you. It's hard to have a conversation with a person like that. Um, yeah. 
You know, it's really interesting. So it's an approach to the world that's neurologically rare. And then we have the school system that has the gifted become the achievement. Do I get my kid into the gifted program? But right? remember, that gifted program is not a gifted program. Probably. No, but but that's what people think. Yeah. That we're yes. talking about. And we're not. And it causes a lot of. A lot of upset. Well, I was just going to say, we need to take a quick break and then let's come back and and unpack that a little bit. Sure. Okay. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or a professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. So we're back and we were just talking about what is gifted versus what we, we kind of think is gifted, particularly in the public school system or even the private school system, I would say, in the United States. What's the distinction you think is important for people to understand, Julie? So I think you have to realize that you cannot hang your hat on one thing. And what we were talking about is how it gets you into trouble when you think about, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of pushback on gifted in the United States about elitism and racism. And truth be told, the percentage of gifted is the same in every culture, race, ethnicity, and economic status. So it's the same percentage. It does not discriminate. It does not discriminate. And so- I think the reason why what I do is only work with grownups, I work with parents, I work with adults, I train teachers, is because my mission is to bring out the best and raise self-confidence in twice exceptional kids, which includes gifted. So I say we have to circle the wagons of the grownups because the kids don't have the power and they don't have the language. So to me, the most important discerning factor is that Gifted is an approach to the world where there's this beautiful intensity of what Mm -hmm. you're able to take in and what you're able to put out. It's almost like, you know, a gifted kid when you see one because they are so interested in sharks, dinosaurs, planets, art reading. They want to know the history of swimming. They want, I mean, like they want to know the really random stuff about stuff. You know, they want to know all the things from time immemorial. And, and that causes behavior because they don't get to do that or transitioning is really hard because they're in flow. And somebody, I I had a client once whose kid came downstairs and stomped his foot. And he said, I think it was nine. Oh, why is life so hard? And mom and dad were like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And he's like, why do I have to get dressed? (laughs) So involved in what he was doing. It was like such a bummer. Why? Existential crisis at age, whatever it is. Yeah, I I was commending my 22 year old recently. I was like, you did a great job of not letting academics and school get in the way of your education. (laughs) It's it's uh, unfortunately because he's such a self-motivated learner. And if there's something he wants to learn, man, he will do deep dives and know all kinds of things. Um, Yeah, it's actually really amazing that that didn't get squelched right out of him. We were really hard. It was third kid, you know, and it's interesting because he will now talk about as a young adult, 
his awareness of how different he is from his peers because he was cultivated in a, you know, he's raised by coaches in this coach approach world and yada, yada, yada. And his friends were not necessarily as, as cultivated in terms of social and emotional development and, and more holistic thinking and learning. And, and he's found that to be socially sometimes a challenge because his friends just aren't always as mature as he is that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it starts at age, you know, the example I gave before the break uh, with the child who's, you know, our our kids think about things in a different way and they think about different things and they don't. Yeah. I hate to use this phrase and let me tell you what I mean by it. They don't suffer fools, meaning. Yes. They don't want to talk about minutia. No. It has unless, to be meaningful. Unless it's their minutia. I always, I always say that my, my, I have one kid whose tolerance for stupidity is like really small, but it's this sort of, you know, they don't, they don't, don't dabble with me. Like, but if a kid, this. if, if a kid was asking your child a million questions about what they were learning about, that would be awesome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so we need to start wrapping the conversation. I want to, um, I'm curious, I'm trying to decide where to go. Well, let's take a moment to say, how can people find out more about you? Let's do that first. And I could just talk to you guys all day long. Yeah, we feel the same way. We can talk to you too. Okay, so thank you for asking that question. Um, With understandingcomescalm.com is my website, the name of my service. So www.withunderstandingcomescalm.com. I'm Julie at withunderstandingcomescalm.com. I also have all sorts of things free on my website. I have a gifted and distractible free newsletter that you can subscribe to. Um, So if you go to the website and you click on publications, you'll see newsletter. I also have a book called Gifted and Distractable. I don't want to, I don't want to over, over complicate. We'll put all of these in the show notes. Yeah. Perfect. Send them to one place. It's in October of 2023. You have a book, a new book coming out and people can find out about that at uh, giftedanddistractable.com. Okay. Right. Gifted so there's going to be lots distracted. of links in the show notes. You can go down all kinds of rabbit holes and giftedanddistractable.com is the new magic on the, on the new magic. World. And it is available whenever you're listening to this podcast, you can go access pre-order, order, post-order, whatever works for you. Giftedanddistractable.com. Awesome. Thank you. Excellent. Yep. And we will also have a link to, to our reading carousel where that is in already in there. That's so great. Elaine, and- do you have a, Elaine, do you have a vision of how to wrap this up? Do we like, is like, do we want to go back and bottom line? Do we, Julie? Well, I wanted to kind of put that back to Julie. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. There we go. I love it. I am not short for words. Um, so <laughs> I think parents, teachers, professionals listening to this might be like, if your brain is blown by, oh my gosh, those are the words that I needed to hear. That deficit focus is not the way to go. Strength-based is the way to go. Positively reframing, seeing a child where they are, meeting a child where they are. So you're like, you know, I always like to talk about the now what. So if I can just give you one now what, it would be to be curious and ask the child questions about what you don't know. Yeah, don't understand their behavior, whether you don't understand why something's hard, why, whether you don't understand why they're so darn interested in this one thing. Don't shy away from it. Don't worry that you're going to encourage more, whatever, whatever, 
check, just check in with them and ask them questions. Because my guess is if you have a child who has challenging behavior and the way you've responded to it in the past hasn't worked, I have to promise you that it's not going to work tomorrow. So we got to take a different tact. And the first place to do that is to ask a question. Why is this happening for you? What would be better? If you could rewind, what would you do differently? What do you wish happened? These are really good questions to ask. uh, What's going on? And if you get the answer, I don't know, which you will sometimes get, that's maybe because they don't yet know or trust that that you're going to hear their answers in a way that's, that's really comfortable. So and I don't know is okay. And I don't know is okay. Well, maybe we can talk about that. It's an opportunity to collaborate. There's a lot of opportunity and I don't know. Um, so don't take it as a shutdown. Know that that's telling you something too. Right. Yeah. And actually I respond to that with, with what I call validate and reiterate, which is yep. in the book. And we validate by saying, this is really hard. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to talk about these things and then to let them know you're available. Okay. So, you know what? I'm here. We've just opened the door or planted a seed. And if you want to pick up that thread anytime soon, I'm around. Yep. If you need me to sit with you. Then you circle back, right? You're trying to build some trust here. And if, as you, as Julie said. Safety and safety. And safety, right. Because if they're not accustomed, if, if the way you're responding isn't working, then, then there's some trust for us to build with them in that relationship for them to, to feel safe. Or we don't understand. So we actually need to ask questions to really understand what's going on. Cause we're reacting to, to an assumption that we're making. Yes. Yeah. So true. So anything else you want to, to leave people with today, any other insights, anything we haven't hit on that you think is important that we talk about? Well, the funny thing is when I said my website, I thought to myself, oh, I hadn't said this yet on this podcast. So this is my mantra, which is with understanding comes calm, which is true. With understanding comes calm. And so when the more you understand, the better you understand what's going on with yourself or with your kids. It is everywhere. You are likely to be. Yeah. Yeah. It feels good to be understood. And it feels good to understand. So, yep, that's my, that's my last thought. (laughs) Thank you, Julie. This is just, like you said earlier, we could just talk about this for days and um, you're, you're such a wealth of information and this is such needed information um, in the world. There's not a lot of, there's not enough people talking about this stuff is what I would say. So thank you for what you're doing out there and thank all the you. support you, you're doing for parents and adults with uh, the 2E adults as well. Yeah, I love it. I love all of it. So thank you. Thank you for giving me a voice. Truly a pleasure. And congrats in, again on the new book. Excited to, to get my hands on it as soon as thank I am you. able to. Um, and to those of you tuning in and listening, we really want to acknowledge and validate all that you're doing. And all that's going on for you and your lives with complex kids, we know it's hard. And you're here, you're listening, you're tuning in, you're making a difference. You're, you're shifting things one moment, one insight, one conversation at a time. So keep on doing what you're doing. And we'll see you in the next conversation. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Take care, y'all. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. 
If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.